This podcast is one I've been looming in my head for a long time, maybe two years. It's one of those ones where I know everybody needs to hear it, but I'm not sure everyone will appreciate it. (laughs) Alhamdulillah, you know, this topic of feminism has just been looming for the longest time. And whether you are for it or you're against it, I think the spin on this one is going to have you thinking, do we really need feminism? Is it our fight for Muslim women at least? Alhamdulillah. And so hunker down, give yourself about 30 minutes. I did this talk in Minnesota. Shout out to the Somali community there. And I want you to really, really consider all the points I'm making and ask yourself, does that really belong in our lives? Take a listen. What I wanted to just start with, and Jazakumullahu Khairan, so many of the points of the brothers, Allahu Alam, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He is the best of planners because I'm kind of geekish, I'm taking notes, and Allahu Alam, as I'm looking at the main points, Allahu Alam, many of them, they're parallel to mine, and even we didn't talk to each other. So, Alhamdulillah, there's a lot of good that we can talk about today, Alhamdulillah. Um, what I want to start with first is just saying, if we knew who we once were, we wouldn't accept who we are now. I will address feminism, but uh, first I want to take a quick moment to remind us all of the actual the legacy of our people, especially our women, especially for the women in the room, they don't actually know the legacy. Maybe no one has ever told us. SubhanAllah, so many things about our history, it doesn't get to the youth, it doesn't get to many of us. So I just want to take a quick moment because I think it is an important foundation for a lot of the points I want to make, inshallah. So over 1,000 years before the West, over 1,000 years before the West, Islam gave women the right to inherit property, vote, um, said women could not be forced to marry a man. In Surah Nisa 419, it emphasized the need for women to get give their consent for marriage. We know these are hot topics of today, right? When Islam came in Surah Al-Azab, it states that men and women are equal partners and are both rewarded according to their deeds equally. And I want to remind you at the time, these things were like unheard of to consider women equal to men. This is in a time where men were absolutely in charge of everything, but to a level of absolute degradation of women. We were in a, we could go on and on about the state of the, the times when this came. So to get a full appreciation, Allah Alam, I encourage you to read the history in the seerah. Women have the right, when Islam came, to participate in the decision-making of the family. Despite what we see now, it, this is how it was, subhanAllah. Mutual consultation and cooperation between the husband and the wife. It forced men to be accountable for the first time in history on how they treated their wives. Before then, they could have so many wives, do whatever they want, treat them as used goods, Allah alam. And subhanAllah, there was no rahmah for women. We had no one to complain to. There was nothing to consider how were her feelings or anything. SubhanAllah, women at that time, because many were not, I don't want to get into many of the facts, it's, it's, again, I don't like to say these words in the masjid. Some women, they didn't get any financial support from the husbands, and they were treated kind of like women that can come in and out, and you can do with them as you want. In Surah Al-Baqarah, it highlights the responsibility of the husband to provide for the woman, for his wife pregnancy, breastfeeding, all of that. 
And a couple last things, the Qur'an encouraged modesty for men and women, right? And this extends to the marital relationship and so many other things in modesty, which is unheard of at that time. Islam restored the value of women. We know that they stopped the burying of women. You know, this was something very big back then. When you will find a, a father, find out he will have a daughter, he will be so sad. I wish I could say that doesn't still happen today. But really, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he, he took back the value we had, alhamdulillah. And women were given the right to retain their own names, reflecting their individual identity. You know, like you don't have to change your last name to your husband's name. It's a very Western thing to do, yeah? So subhanAllah, just really quick, Islam brought all of that in a time where it didn't even exist. Now, let's go back for one more second. What were we doing then as women? What were the roles that women played with those powers that we were given? I'm going to say a couple quick names because as the brother said, we, we rarely acknowledge the, the people who are the true role models. Aisha bint Abi Bakr, one of the prophet, peace be upon his wives, she's renowned for her extensive knowledge, right, in the hadith and jurisprudence and medicine and other fields. Khadija bin Khuwaylid, the first wife of the Prophet, peace be upon him, we know about her. She was a powerful woman of status in the community, a businesswoman, financial stability. She, she provided money for a lot of the things that the Prophet, peace be upon him, had to do. And in this day and age, even today, to have the woman to have bigger financial weight than her husband, it's seen the same way it was then. It's a little bit like intimidating. Nusayba bin Ka'ab was a brave companion who participated in the Battle of Uhud. A lot of our women don't know we used to fight in battles. SubhanAllah. And Umar Darda Rumaysa, she was a prominent figure in the Tabi'un, and she was excellent in her character, intellect, and piety. And Khawla bint Azad, she was fearless in Islam and was when expanding and she's fighting. And SubhanAllah, some of our sisters like Nusayba, she even actively defended the Prophet, peace be upon him, in battle shielding him during attacks. Women were there in positions of power, positions of influence. They were there and they were doing great things. SubhanAllah. And there are many more I could go here all day. So the first thing I wanted to do is say, again, if we knew who we were once then, we wouldn't accept how we are now. We would feel ashamed, like the, the brother said, the said, said, we would find it difficult to be a certain way in public, in, in, in front of social media. So here's my question about feminism. Telling you everything that I just told you, I will ask the question the first time, why do Muslim women need feminism? Everything I told you was 1,000 years or more before the West got any rights. Now let's talk about Western women. Let's just, just to be fair, let's let them have a voice in the conversation, right? Up until almost the 1800s, they didn't even have basic fundamental rights. Women had limited access to education, were discouraged from getting high paying jobs. In society, they just could do domestic random things. They weren't allowed to even continue school or teach men sometimes. Inheritance laws, the male members get everything and a lot of times the women, they're getting very small shares. And mind you, the husbands are not like taking care of everything necessarily. They lack the ability to enter contracts, make legal decisions, represent themselves. If, if be there at all in legal matters. And the women couldn't have ownership of properties at some levels, which were often all controlled by her husband. They couldn't vote, hold public office, 
decision making, and they were excluded from most professional high paying jobs. And the list goes on. They were oppressed. They were miskeen. Why do we then need their help to help us? Why? What exactly are we looking for from this? So the Western women, like I said, if they're miskeen and Islam gave us immense power, why do I feel like I need them to help me become powerful in modern times? So the question becomes, why would we even have that desire? Like the brothers talking about today, we're sitting here all talking about feminism red pill. Why are we even interested in feminism? I just described to you us being extremely powerful, having women with extremely powerful positions, decision-making rights, abilities. And I just described the Western women who can't do most of what we can do, but yet we are like looking at them like they're gonna do something for us. So how could that happen unless one, we don't know our history, or two, we don't actually realize the true power Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us, and we're confused. But let's be fair, if we're confused. How do we get confused as women, quote, quote, right? Is it our fault that we feel this way? No, it's collective blame, let's be fair. Our people have lost who we are. We don't know who we are anymore. We, if we do, that's pretty sad because we don't behave like we know who we are. We come to this place and we become like this place. We completely throw down our identity the, the minute we walk in the door. If not after, you know, you ever see somebody come from overseas, a first couple months, subhanAllah, if they had any haya in their country, they were looking down, subhanAllah, but put them in the public school, give them a couple months, they start to become like, you know, normalized and eventually sometimes they're the worst ones in the room because this place destroys who you are and makes you forget who you are. And this is our fault. We pick up alcohol, their music, their drugs, their ideologies, their ideas, their talking, and we are now the miskeen. We are the miskeen. We flipped roles. We're killing one another, turning on one another, and we've demoted ourselves voluntarily. They didn't even oppress us. We oppressed ourselves, if we're fair. Yeah, they can tell us all day long, like the shaitan, he can waswas you. But what happens after the shaitan gets you to commit sin? What does he say? I didn't have anything to do with them. That, that's them. I just gave them an idea and they ran with it, right? So we have to accept some level of responsibility. So now let me get to the homes, because I think this is where a lot begins and we have to be really fair about what's happening to the women. In our homes, many times, not everyone, but let's just keep it real, we don't give women their rights in Islam. That was given them, and we put culture over religion. Number two, some families, they tell their daughters they can't continue school for whatever reason. They need to get married, they have some issues. They just literally tell them it's not okay. They make them feel guilty for wanting to just do certain levels of improvement. We rush or we delay marriage with no reasons that actually have any Islamic, uh, you know, weight. We just, you know, we have our opinions in our family. We just put them on. We put women down in our families. We put the brothers down too. If we could keep it real, we put our kids down. We talk pretty tough with them. We don't encourage them to learn and become powerful leaders and communities and help our people. We force them sometimes to marry people they don't even want. You want to know why? 
because that's a good family. We like them. I know their father. He's a great guy. Let's marry them. We have all these reasons that we do, and we're tough, and we criticize them more than we should. And as much as the youth, let's keep that real on their end too, are guilty for falling prey to TikTok trends and IG stereotypes and all the stuff that they do, we are also guilty as parents. I am a mother. I have raised six kids. I have six grandchildren. So my oldest is in their 20s, late 20s. And I have a younger one that's seven. So I've seen the spectrum of how it goes. So I'm speaking now as a woman who has been in your position, but also as a mother. So I'm just being fair on both sides. As much as they do those things, we are also guilty as parents for not being better role models by parenting more mindfully. We just don't. You know why? It's hard to be here. It's stressful. Raise a kid in this country. It is not easy. It's really, really hard. And yes, as parents, we're stressed. We have our own problems. Sometimes we take it out at home on the kids. And we're a little bit more rough than we need to be. But at the end of the day, I too had to learn that is not an excuse. It's just not. I'm going to be asked about the haqq of every child I'm, I'm the, 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 the caretaker of. It's really, really important. So my message to everyone is this. It's a collective problem. And we need to do better. We're failing one another, if we can keep it real. We're failing. The women are failing the men. The men are failing the women. The parents are failing the children. The children are failing the parents. And the truth is, when it comes to the kids, we have to give them more rahmah. We have to give them more mercy. Sometimes we're a little merciless. Sometimes we're a little tough. We get that they get into drugs and issues, but we can't kick them from our homes. They need us. They need us then more than ever. I'm not saying to let things slide and let things come in the house. I know one kid influenced the other kid. I get it. But at the end of the day, if we're doing things that are you know, intolerable, we still have to remember that Islam taught us to embrace and teach them how to value themselves. And in Surah An-Nur, in 24-22, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala advises believers to let go of grudges and to forgive one another and to let them pardon and to let them overlook. You have to do it to your parents. And your parents have to do it to you. It's really, really important. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is most forgiving and merciful. And as far as the tough love with the parents, because I do want to address it, because so much of the reasons that our people look outside for help is because we have voids that have started from a young age and they're not getting addressed. And as a person who's been in education over 25 years, I can tell you I, a lot of people come through my path and I see what they deal with and what they're going through. And I have to tell you that tough love is good, but not always. Not to the level sometimes we go, we go extreme. And let me say this to the parents that think that everything has to be tough, tough, tough love. How is it working for you? Are they listening? Are they telling you what's really going on? There has to be some level of balance, like the brother said, like the said said. There has to be balance where, yeah, you can put down the law, but you can also say, hey, how are you doing? You don't look good today. You're all right? Talk to me. We don't do that. So I was raised in a house with a heavy hand and with a stern voice. And, you know, part of me feels inclined to go, yeah, you know, that's it. But that's like, like the sister, that's not Rasul Sassam. Did he even tell? Oof. To the one who isn't caretaking of. So I'm not saying that we can't put our people in line and help them and stuff, but we have to also understand the, the Prophet, peace be upon me, had a level of rahmah that we have lost. 
for one another. And we've given up our power. It's kind of, it's kind of scary, voluntarily. We fall prey to all the garbage that society feeds us. When we talk about feminism, red pill, like we eat it up. You want to know why? Because we have deep-seated resentment. The women are mad at the brothers. And the brothers are tired of the women. It's true. At some level. And so as soon as somebody comes along to say something about the other, he's like, yeah. You know? That's not like, like those, that's, that's not our theme. That's not how we are. And we don't follow their ideologies. And, you know, there's a way to do it better. But women, I want to tell you something important. And this is really important. I just told you a list of really, really powerful women in Islam. I told you amazing rights that we had, but there's something that we get lost in. I want to make sure it doesn't get lost in what I'm saying. As powerful as our mother Khadija was, she was more powerful and rich and well-known maybe at some level, at some point in her life than even the Prophet, peace be upon him, when he was up and coming. But never once, never once did she think she was over him. That would be really easy to do if you were her in those times. Everybody wanted to marry her. She had extreme power. She had a huge, powerful business. She did not speak to him as if she was in charge. She did not expect him to do things that are outside of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala required of him. And, you know, there was this perfect balance. And I want to tell you something. They said said about men and men crying. It's funny because I had that in here too. I want us to think of that story where Rasulullah he comes off of the cave of Hira and he runs down the mountain scared to Khadija radiallahu right? And he puts himself in her lap and what does he say? Who remembers? Cover me. Cover me. Right? Maybe he's scared. He's shaking. Maybe he's crying. I want to ask you, ever once when you heard that story, did you ever say, oh, Rasulullah he's not a man. Even to say that feels uncomfortable. But I have to say it because it's, it's like, we don't do that, but then we turn to any brother out here who shows any level of emotion, and we're like, oh, he's not a man, you know. He's not a real man. He's not this like the brother said. We're very critical of the guys, and the guys are critical of us. We have no rahmah for one another. We are supposed to be a people of rahmah. And so, wondering if, if he's a real man, we wouldn't do that. But let me just say this to the women. So, she had this power, but she didn't put it on him. She didn't speak to him like she was in charge. You know, nowadays, if you see men have a lower income than their wives, Sometimes women feel like, oh, you know, he's not really a man and I have to kind of step up because he's not doing it. And then she will talk to him a certain kind of way. She will behave to him, give a little edge on him. But Khadija Rangala, she didn't do that, number one. And number two, she didn't mock him. She didn't try to control him. She didn't ever make him feel like he was less of a man. There was balance. She knew when to be tough and she knew when to let him be in control. That is a real woman. That is what we have lost. We just go from one extreme or the other. And we don't have mercy for our spouses. In Surah Tarum 3021, it says, and of his signs is that he created for you from yourselves mates that you might find tranquility in them, and he placed between you affection and mercy. What did he say? You're gonna find peace from your spouse, but then he gave you how? Right after with affection and mercy. Indeed, there is a sign for people who give thought. 
And the Prophet, peace be upon him, sometimes, you know, he taught us you have to be the better person. For us as women, sometimes what's really hard is we want the guy to do it first. Why do I have to tell him to say sorry? Why do I have to tell him, you know, to bring me something nice? Why do I have to show him how to talk to me the right way? Let me tell you why, ladies, as being married a long time and having kids. Because men, you know, they, they focusing on what they believe their job is. They go to work, they have a lot of pressure. They gotta do the finances. They're focusing on like, everybody's gonna fall apart if they don't take care of anything. So oftentimes, they're very, very hyper-focused on that stuff. And sometimes, I don't mean any offense, brothers, I'm not trying to give any offense. We need to explain to them how to love us. And if you're gonna wait for him to figure it out, he's gonna be like, why didn't you just tell me? Like, why are you even making, like, what is that? Just tell me. <laughs> sometimes they need us to tell them. So subhanAllah, we need to want our husbands to love us and stuff, but sometimes they're not getting it. And when our mother Khadija, I want to tell you, let's pretend we say, well, she's weak. You know, I'll give you that. We would never say that. We wouldn't say that. We wouldn't say, oh, you know, well, she, you know, she let him cry on her lap and she, you know, she, she paid for stuff he should have paid for. I'll give you that. We would never say that. We respect her. We look up to her. She's the mother of the believer. We are looking at her like we wish we could be her, but like, let's just really learn from her. SubhanAllah, she did that balance. And what did that do for her husband? Because we want affection, ladies. Let's just be honest. Most women, they want their husband to stop scrolling on their phone. At home, that's what they do. They're busy on whatever they're on. And women feel like they want attention. They're not getting I'm telling you this not because it's like my personal thing. Like I have women call me from 150 countries. That's, that's what I do and they call me all day. And I don't care if you're from uh, Nigeria or Belgium or Pakistan, I get the same thing every day. So I'm telling you what we are saying. So if the brothers understand. And we want that. But how do you get him to love you? How do you get him to appreciate you? It's when he feels valued. Like I said, you're not mocking him, you're not putting him down for what he can't put forth. That's a very sensitive thing for a man. And sometimes, we're a little bit harsh. We really are. We can be harsh. It's true. Now, maybe you're going to say, well, you know, sister, you're talking about the Prophet, peace be upon him. You're talking about Khadija, radiallahu anhu. I mean, my husband, he's not that good. Or maybe the husband's like, well, that's my wife. That'd be really nice if I was married to Khadija. You know, you're right. I'd probably have a really great life. But have you met my wife? <laughs> or what about my daughter? I don't even know what to do with her. This one, I can't. Or my son, he's a mess. No, maybe we're a mess. Our hearts, like the stead said, we are sick. Because we've lost the rahmat and the mercy and the desire to even think about how did the best of people before us deal with these problems. And for the unmarried people, I'm kind of, I'm gonna come to some closing points. For the unmarried people, this is my message to the young people looking for marriage who are not married yet, who have to deal with the, the feminism and red pill. I feel so, so sad for you. This is a very difficult time. I don't envy the struggles you have. For the brothers, if you want to find a good woman and keep a good woman, be a good man. And sisters, if you want to have a good man and keep a good man, be a good woman. Because the Quran also tells us that the believing men and the believing women, they're guardians of each other, and they enjoin good and forbid evil and keep up in prayer and obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Rasul. And this way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show mercy. He's going to make your marriage amazing if you are both trying. It doesn't have to be everything to be amazing. 
And for feminism, as I come around to it, which I feel has no weight. That's why I, I, don't, I don't even need to talk about it because it literally has no weight. You know when somebody drives like a Lexus, and I'm sure that I know there are like way better cars right now these days, but somebody drives a Lexus, it's like, it's like you just downgraded to feminism. Like we have Islam and then you're trying to ride on feminism. And I want to explain one concept as I'm closing that was really powerful to me as a woman and this is the difference. As women, there is a huge difference. We need to understand this between equality and equity. Islam is all about equity and it has a profound recognition of individual circumstances and needs and it supersedes equality any day. Because the truth is, there's this picture and I used to have it back when I used to teach. It's about, have you ever seen three people and this one is short and medium size and tall? And let's pretend there's a fence. I don't have the picture in front of me. And they're all trying to see the game on the other side of the fence. If we give them all equality, can the short person see? No. We're not accommodating their shortness, right? Is the middle person that's almost there but can't, they're going to miss the whole game. And the person who's tall, we're like, you know. So subhanAllah, what equity does is it looks like everybody's special situations and it accommodates them. It accommodates us as women. We don't have to fast when we're pregnant. It's a rahmah when we have other things. And subhanAllah, we don't think about that. So I want to give you some advice to the sisters who feel mistreated, because I, I get it. But I want to tell you maybe like a better way to respond to that feeling. Number one, focus more first on knowing not just your rights. You need to know your rights, first of all. But you need to know the rights of the other people. Because when we die, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to ask us about who harmed us. He'll deal with it later. He's an adam. He's most just. But he's going to deal with us. So we need to worry about who we are harming. Focus on that first. Give everybody their haqq. I know we're all like running, running for my rights. It's good. You should know your rights. I'm not against that. I'm saying do that. But be more concerned with what you're going to be asked about. They're not going to ask you about the other. And it doesn't mean don't protect yourself or let people hurt you. And it doesn't mean anything other than that we need to understand our rights, but also the rights of other people. Number two, we need to know our rights then, once you know them, and speak up. A lot of women feel like no one's going to listen to them. Maybe my mom's not going to listen to me, my dad, you know, whatever, my husband. You have rights. There's actually things that you can do Islamically. There's actual steps. If you're unsure, talk to the sheikh, talk to the imam, talk to somebody. You don't have to sit in your misery. But please don't do, do other things like as the disease of what you feel because you're avoiding speaking up. And number three, be good women. Just be a good person. Be a good Muslim because when you are, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect you. Do you know what it's like? What Allah does for the one who is oppressed? If the oppressed one makes a dua against someone else, watch out. If you have an oppression, you first you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help, you make dua for whoever, your mom, your dad, your brother, your, your husband, your whatever. But you need to also tell Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala your complaint. This is a dangerous thing. You have a lot of protection. You have a lot of power. So if you feel mistreated, don't go ride on their, their ride. Feminism is not our fight. They're asking for things we already have. Matter of fact, we have better. So I don't know why we're downgrading. And for the sisters, I want you to know the way you will stand high and not letting this stuff bother you as I, as I close here, is you need to embrace the strength of your deen. It is beautiful. You are a symbol of resilience, courage, standing at the intersection of empowerment. You are everything 
Every woman in this society needs to learn from right now. We just need to step back up to who we are. So instead of calling to feminism, call yourself back to your greatness. And stand tall for your identity as a woman as a source of inspiration, resilience, and unwavering strength. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for our people to return to that greatness, embrace our faith as it was meant to be lived, and gather us in the gathering better than this and other for das all right, I hope you enjoyed that. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram. Check out our website, www.mindful-muslima.com. So you can check out all the freebies that we have there for you. Because at Mindful Muslim, we're all about empowering women and helping them go from surviving to thriving. And part of that is you getting the tools you need to do that. And we are so excited to be part of your journey. I'll see you in there. I'll see you in the next podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.